Welcome to Gender Meowster Podcast Network. Genderful is a talk show featuring non-binary and trans folks discussing various topics and special interests. We kindly remind our listeners that no person is a monolith of identities. All opinions are the speaker's own. This show airs live on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash gender meowster and VODs with show notes can also be found on YouTube. Content warnings for this episode include racism, transphobia, and dysphoria. Genderful would like to acknowledge the indigenous peoples and unceded lands that the producers, hosts, and guests live and have dwelt upon. Today we honor the Coast Salish. We also honor the Tonkawa, Manos, Kikapoi, and Numunu. We honor the elders, the human, plant, and animal ancestors of these lands and celebrate the living descendants of these peoples. May all beings who tend these lands for the goodness of the next seven generations and beyond. So welcome in, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Genderful. It's episode 69. Hey, nice. (laughs) I'm so delighted to have Spencer here with me today. So I'm Gender Meowster. I use they, them pronouns, and I'm going to let my guests introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Spencer. I use they, he pronouns. Thank you so much, Spencer, for joining us today. Gosh, we have many things to talk about. You're here to talk about the Little Petal Alliance, but I will say that we tip- we typically have a couple questions I like to ask all of my talk show guests, if you would be willing to indulge me. Yeah, for sure. Cool. So my first question has to do with sort of gender history, just sort of normalizing what our paths may look like as gender diverse people, because they vary. If you look back to your youth, what can you see that maybe was an indicator or premonition that you might be gender diverse one day? I think that I always knew I was trans, like the whole gender binary and also gendered roles in general just like never made sense to me. I just didn't have the language to be able to express it. I am a millennial, so like I fortunately have more language now. So a lot of my journey happened in my adulthood, but as a child, I just didn't have the words for it, if that makes sense. Like I always knew that something just wasn't fitting, but if things were like this, seeing my, looking at myself in the mirror and imagining if I was a boy or if I didn't have any gender, like those were lots of things that, lots of experiences like that at a very young age. So that's kind of, I guess... I never had that thought, am I trans? Because like I said, like they were still using like outdated terms when I was youngster. Yeah. I guess if I was born a Gen Z, I probably would have been a lot early bloomer, a lot more early bloomer. That is the difference between our generation and Gen Z. Yeah. I, I see these Gen Z folks being like, oh, I came out in college. If only I'd come out in high school or in middle school. And I'm like, I didn't come out till I was 30. What are you talking about? Exactly. I had no idea when I was in college. I barely knew I was a lesbian in college. (laughs) It's cool to see how much younger people are picking up on it because there's plenty of trans and gender diverse folks from Gen X and the boomer age who didn't realize it until they're retiring. Exactly. They've been married as the wrong gender for 30 years and they have to go through this heart-wrenching experience to live as their full true selves so yeah it's i don't know i'm proud of gen z and the what is the next generation after that alpha 
I'm proud yeah. of the youngsters figuring it out so much faster. How, Spencer, how's your relationship to gender evolved over time? So you, you went from a younger person who maybe were like, this doesn't quite fit to now claiming your they, he pronouns and living your best life and running or co-organizing this organization that advocates for trans people. Right. Some, something happened between that now and then. So could you tell us a little more about that if you're comfortable? Yeah. Absolutely. I feel like my ancestors were always there in the background. I grew up in a primarily white environment. So being the only like black person, even as like a mixed race person, I was still like the only black person in a lot of situations. So a lot of what I had known about like just queer identity in general, and then trans identity on top of that did come from like a white lens. So it was very confusing for me because I didn't fit into any of those boxes. Like my end goal didn't look like what it was presented to me as. When I took the time to be more aware and involved of my culture outside of like colonization, like outside of within the Black culture, there isn't a lot of acceptance from people my age and our parents and our grandparents as far as queer or trans identity. But if you look back pre-colonization, we didn't have this type of pressure societally. It was more normal. It was part of the culture. And that really helped me like kind of figure out where I was. Because I mean, I do have, I do use they, he pronouns, but I do very much also identify as a Black woman because like it's, I feel like Black womanhood in itself is its own gender just because of the way that like Black women are masculinized in the first place and people like just compare Black women to animals a lot and Black people in general, but like Black women, Obama and Serena Williams are like some of the most successful people in their fields and they still don't maintain their womanhood. So I kind of really identified with that a lot. Like I do fully identify as a Black woman. However, that's like contingent upon who I'm around. You know what I'm saying? Within my own culture, people within my own culture, I do identify as a Black woman. And because outside of that, non-Black people do view me as a Black woman. I did something that like, I still hold on strong to. However, I like, I'm fully not a woman, if that makes sense. Like I both am and am not these things. And that's, it's taken me a long time to land there because it's just, the I didn't, find community outside of like the lens of whiteness until like you said I didn't come out until I was 30 most of the community is younger white folks and you really have to look for your community outside of that yeah I appreciate Spencer what you're saying about it it sounds to me like you're essentially expressing code switching with which identities you're using in which spaces absolutely 100 percent. yeah I know that if I'm out with the cishets I'm just trans (laughs) Right. right. It's like, I'm not going to get into it with you. That's hard enough. Exactly. <laughs> but if I'm with my fellow, like, neurodivergent, gender diverse squad, I'm like, I'm non binary, trans masculine, pansexual, polyamorous, burr, 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 like all of the, all the things. Exactly. But out in the world, I'm just trans and married to a trans woman. End of discussion. No detail. <laughs> yeah. No nuance November is coming up. It's, yeah. And I can, I really appreciate that there are, community spaces where I can have that more expansive, detailed identity. I feel really at home in those spaces. And I I imagine it might be the same for you, like claiming the Black woman identity and then everyone's still knowing. And still, you're also Spencer they he. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's important to have those spaces. So 
let's talk about Little Petal Alliance. What is the Little Petal Alliance and how did it start? Awesome. I love about it. We're so excited. Yes. I'm very excited. This is what I came here for. So the Little Petal Alliance was started in 2020 by Danielle Reichman. They make dresses and they have a business, Little Petal, and they make dresses for all sizes, all bodies, all genders, and they have pockets. So they just expanded their community and got to expand to a lot of trans people. And then they started Little Petal Alliance, which at first was kind of like an all services type of thing. There was therapy, clothing, makeup kits, wigs, packers, binders, gender affirming garments of all sorts. And just like anything you could think of that could give somebody gender euphoria. It was kind of like a a one-stop shop type of situation. And then We've since changed because of funding. Of course, everything is about funding. We're not a nonprofit organization, a 501c3. We're just a nonprofit group, I guess it's legally called, but we're a mutual aid group is what I refer to it as. And we have a binder program and that's sustainable where we can give free binders to all ages, all gender identities who can use them for gender euphoria. And that's through GC2B, which I'm really excited to have that program. And then we also have free vocal training for all gender ways to also bring that gender euphoria for anybody who's experiencing that with their voice. So we're less, we have less, I guess, resources that are readily available. However, they're more sustainable now. So it's just personally think that works better than waiting for funding. We already have funding for these things. Then outside of that, I did want to talk about Queertopia a little bit, if that's okay, because that's when our sibling organization that came around Little Petal Alliance, I think was before 2020. I'm more well-versed on Queertopia is did start in 2020 and that's our housing organization. So with Queertopia, we've housed over a hundred people off of the streets of Austin, all with just donations from people from Instagram or in-person donations from tabling events. We've housed people during the Texas freeze last year. We've been able to open up cooling and warming centers in different areas. And we're hoping to have a plot of land and start an intentional community to set all abilities and everybody working together, free rent, no cops allowed type of situation and focusing on the queer and trans youth. Right now, we currently don't have any transitional centers for unhoused queer and trans youth in Austin, which is where the Little Petal Alliance started. Little Petal Alliance services all of America, but Queertopia is for Austin, Austinites and getting Austinites off the streets. But yeah, we're, yeah, we're just really hoping to have that intentional community so that we have a place for the queer and trans youth in Austin because they don't have those places. We have, we do open up our own homes to some people, not all, obviously, because they're just our homes. We can take in a couple people at a time, but that's been a really great learning experience. And a lot of queer and trans people end up on the streets, like immediately after they come out. So yeah, I just think that when we, if we focus on housing unhoused queer youth, like giving them the opportunity for a future, giving them the opportunity to focus on their transition or their gender journey is just essential for keeping us alive. You are highlighting so many important and wonderful things. So I, wow, my brain wants to go so many places. I'm going to go with 
one one question that I came up with just now. So this you weren't prepped on this. Okay. <laughs> I'm interested if you could share thoughts about mutual aid versus nonprofit. Okay. I, I've heard people talk about it and I have generally heard that typically black and indigenous communities especially tend to prefer a mutual aid over nonprofits and charities. And so I'd love for you to explain why. I already kind of know it's a thing, but I want to hear from yeah. you about it if you want to share for everyone's learning. For sure. I mean, generally nonprofits are like run by white people and the CEOs get all of the money. That's generally how it goes. Most of your money is going towards paying employees. Mutual aid groups are generally like for the people, by the people from like my experience looking in. So that gives you like that level of trust first and foremost, because you can see clearly who's involved as opposed to going to a website and clicking the about and clicking, finding the CEO and then Googling his net worth, his or her net worth, and then finding out that you're just funding a millionaire yeah. or mutual aid groups are usually like more lived experience as well. Like nonprofits, they generally open up jobs for people with lived experience. However, just like PPP loans, everything has a reason. And usually they open up that slot to get funding. However, they end up hiring somebody with college education over lived experience, which is, I mean, I personally prefer lived experience. That's way more valuable than a college education. And it's less biased. It's real-time information. And then it's just like putting your money where your mouth is. Most mutual aid organizations are putting that money directly into the pockets of people who need it as to where like when you're giving to a nonprofit or a charity, it's being filtered through all of these other things like marketing costs and like em employment costs and things like that. And you're just exploiting more people in the process. So there's generally less exploitation in mutual aid groups, and then you're being represented by your own community. We actually just had a mutual aid stream on this channel two Saturdays ago. Nice. And collectively, we raised more than I've ever raised for any charity stream we've ever done. That's awesome. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. We, we had one of our moderators was facing being unhoused and needed rent money. And oh, so wow. Our, our goal was $700. And the community was so generous. We raised over $1,100 in one stream. It's, it it's was always... wild. I've never seen the community raise that much money before. I'm yeah. so humbled and honored. I love that. for the. I love that for the whole cause. It's wonderful when you can raise more than just to survive and you can actually thrive, like maybe get yourself a nice meal or get your nails done, buy a new t-shirt, get a face mask, or take a bath, do something. It's nice to have a little extra spending money. It's so stressful. Is. Yeah, we hit the first goal in the first two hours of stream. And it's a marathon stream, so they like paid enough money that it was like, okay, you're going to get this full six hours of whatever this is, whatever this shenanigan is. And so then I said, let's set a stretch goal, and I doubled it. And another, what is that, four or $500 came in on top of it. And so we basically raised six months rent instead of one month, six weeks rent instead of four weeks rent, which is just, it gives the recipient more time to kind of figure it out and get yeah. their ducks in a row or whatever. So I love to hear it. That's yeah, beautiful. it's powerful. It's really powerful. I'll tell you another thing, and I'm aware I'm talking a bit, but I've had this dream of starting the stream team that focuses on mutual aid for trans surgeries. Oh, um, that would be wonderful. Yeah, it's called Gender Federation. We already have socials. We have not found a Twitch partner to sponsor the team to make it an official team on Twitch, but we have some of the infrastructure already built. It's sort of in a fallow waiting period right now because I want to make sure that the team is black and indigenous people to the front. And for a while, it was like almost all the organizers were white or white passing. 
And so right. we're like, nope, we're going to back to the drawing board. We're going to slow down and do it right <laughs> because it's, there was a lot of white people involved. And I was like, no, we got to figure this out better. I don't know. We're not there yet. <laughs> St start over. So anyways, if anyone wants to drop follows to see how that develops, Gender Federation is the name everywhere. I just dropped the link tree in the chat. But yeah, the it's mutual aid is so powerful. Yeah. It's amazing. So Little Petal Alliance and Queertopia. So Queertopia is the one that's housing based and it's just in Austin. Little mm -hmm. Petal Alliance is national to the United States. Yes. We are our vocal training is virtual. So anyone okay. can take that and then we can ship anywhere inside of the United States right now. I'm hoping that we have something magical happen because Queertopia got its fiscal sponsorship so we can get grants now nice. and they That's can amazing. also like kind of, if I'm thinking correctly, they can host us for grants in Queertopia or Little Bet Alliance. So if we get a nice grant, hopefully we can get some international shipping for the binders because we have had a couple people sign up for the binder program outside of the U.S. and it's just really sad to have to say, unfortunately, we can't afford right now to send outside of the U.S. What if someone was willing to pay the shipping? That would, I was actually thinking of asking for someone to sponsor because right now I think there's three, there's one in Nigeria, one in Poland, and I think actually there's just those two. So I'm pretty sure if I put the feelers out there, I might be able to get someone to sponsor those international shipping. Yeah. So we have a, one of our channels in our server. So I know you're not super a discord person, but we have a, I would say a robust discord server. There's 200 people in it right now, but we're pretty active. It's like a pruned 200. If we had kept okay. everyone ever joined, it would be twice that size. But we have a, a channel called Solidarity Resources. And that's yeah. where we post all kinds of information, including earlier today, we posted about Little Petal Alliance's binder program. Nice. Um, and I already had one person saying somewhere in the server, like, oh man, I'm in Canada. I wish I could have an American friend apply for this for me and then ship it to me and I'd pay them. We could so, definitely try yeah. to reach out and get that. I think I will check out, I'll try to figure out Discord today and try to see if we can get a sponsor. Cool. Yeah, that would be amazing. I, this community is rather international. I mean, we've got even just on the, even if you just look at the content editors, we've got someone in the States, someone in Germany and someone in Japan. So there's, there's a lot of people around that are interested in what you're up to. Oh, and that's so good to hear. <laughs> good morning. My, my editor in Japan just said hi in the chat. That's so funny. Anyways. Yeah. I'm so excited about binders going to people right now. I can't even do words out of my face. I'm just <laughs> going to read the next question I've written down because I'm too overwhelmed with all the good that is happening in the world. In what ways are Little Petal Alliance supporting the LGBTQIA2S plus community? Like I said, we have, we had our previous intake form program where people got a wide variety of things for gender euphoria. And now we are in a more sustainable, we're trying to add to our programs. But like I said, our programs are the binder program, which we're with GC2B. So that's until we don't want to use it. Any, anyone who signs up is going to get a binder. I do want to say for anybody listening or in the future or now that it does take us a while. We do have to get our requests. We have to send our requests in and then we have to get them shipped. So that is a timely period. So if you do need a binder right away, this is not the program for you. It's going to take 
at least one to two months to get you your binder, depending on the size of our wait list. And then again, the the vocal training, I've talked to a couple of people who've done the voice training. I do want to just put a little disclaimer out there that I've heard. It can be a little disorienting and kind of cause a little dysphoria because you are having to record your voice and listen back to it. So anybody who's interested in that, just be mindful. That is something that you will have to do. But like, I, I know that we've had success off of the vocal training. And then outside of that, when our funding isn't critically low, we generally have, we, we share mutual aid posts for trans folks in need. It's generally Black and Indigenous trans folks who are facing some sort of housing crisis that can be sent between us and Queertopia. We both kind of manage those. So in any way that we possibly can, we try to do our best to accommodate whatever needs we have come up um, that are brought to us, either with Little Petal Alliance or Queertopia. And we've, we're pretty popular in Austin, which is nice. So a lot of Texans know who we are. And we've been able to do a couple of trans resource fairs as well in different states. So just like getting the word out there and kind of being able to like work with other trans groups and like other QTPOC or LGBTQIA2S plus groups. Like we try to extend ourselves out to all reaches of the U.S. And like, hopefully with these sponsors, we can be international. So it sounds if you want to cover, for example, a travel cost to go to maybe Trans Pride in a different region than Austin to table and do either resource giving out or whatever. Do you have these sponsors that are paying for that? No, we don't. Okay. We do not. But we do, speaking of that, that does remind me that the next program that we do want to implement is the TSA pre-checks for mm -hmm. trans folks so that they don't oh have gosh. to go through the body scanners. We're going to try. There's already another program. If I can remember it, I will get it to you. But there's another group out there that already does the TSA pre-checks that, that funds those every once in a while grants, but we would also like to add that to our repertoire of things. Gosh, that's so cool. My wife has TSA pre-check and I don't. <laughs> just take me with you. We're both trans. <laughs> it's just, ooh. yeah, wow. Okay. So if people are listening to this and they're excited about what you're up to, is there a place on your link tree or your website where people can make a one-time or recurring donation to either Little Petal Alliance or Queertopia? Yeah, absolutely. We have one-time donations on our Venmo and our PayPal. We also have recurring donations set up on our PayPal through our website, littlepetalalliance.org slash donate. We'll take you right there and you can set up a recurring PayPal donation. And we also have an open collective that you can set up recurring donations. You can do a one-time donation or a recurring donation there. Just be mindful that like there, we don't like, they take a portion of the money and give us the rest. So it's better if it is through Venmo or PayPal. But if you're one of those sticklers about the internet and you want your money to be handled correctly, you can always use the open collective. And that also gives transparency to like how, like where our funds are coming in and where they're going out as well. Awesome. I love that. Do you have stories from Little Petal Alliance's work, like specific, I don't know, like maybe you heard back from a recipient of one of the Euphoria packages or what have you that you have permission and would like to share with our listeners and viewers today? I don't have any specific. I mean, everybody we encourage with our binder program for people, if they're comfortable to tag us, 
And we've had a couple people tag us when like a little TikTok video dancing and whatnot. And that was really cute. Not to make it about myself, but I like to think a lot about like my experience with Little Petal Alliance because I'm, I don't just work with Little Petal Alliance, but I work for Little Petal Alliance. So I'm actually like the only paid employee in the organization. And I basically run the organization, but also like specifically I run the communications and the social media. And like with that, like I was housing insecure for a really long time. I did survival sex work for a really long time. And that makes it like really hard to be employed. And they really care about giving me like a living wage and keeping me off the streets. And not to say that sex work is bad, but like sex work is dangerous. And, and not all sex work is like the fun, cute running up a bag that you see on Instagram and TikTok. Some of it is, is not, a lot of it is not fun. A lot of sex workers are very like living day to day in hotel rooms and on the streets. So it's, and then once you get out of sex work, you have this huge gap in your employment. It makes you harder to be employed, but you have this group of skills because you've been basically running your own business for as long as you've been doing it. So for me, it's been able to take me from an extreme poverty situation to a situation where I don't have to worry about where my next meal comes from. And I'm also respected in my like lived experience as opposed to like further stigmatized or maybe looked at differently. It's like more, it's more look highly upon than look down upon, which is really what we need to be doing. And like, not just with sex workers, but with all marginalized people with lived experience. I appreciate you sharing that and being frank about it. It's one of many bars in the system of oppression that that keeps poor people poor. Yeah. And I again I just love what you are saying about hiring based on lived experience over a college education. Right. It's it's such a good point. What does LPA and Quartopia have planned for the future? So you mentioned the TSA pre-check, but are there other expansion plans or things that you are looking for community support around coming up in the near or far future? Well, I would love to. We did work with a couple like companies, not necessarily like trans forward companies, but companies that are trans inclusive to get out menstrual products and like garments to wear menstruating. And I'd like to have a more sustainable program with that, where we can give out free menstrual products for people who menstruate that are more gender affirming. That's but I'm not sure how to do that yet, <laughs> but I would love to have something like that. There's nothing really, there's no company that's really doing that similarly to GC2B. The trans or the TSA pre-check for trans people, I definitely am really excited and hopefully we can get the funding for that. And with Queertopia, like I said earlier, we're hoping to work with the city of Austin to have a real live transitional center for trans and queer people and experiencing homelessness in, in Austin so that we can, you know, not have to use our own houses. Not to say that's like a problem or causing any distress or anything, but it would be nice to have something real and sustainable and like easy to find for people who are coming into Austin or, or who are currently living in Austin on the streets. So I maybe should have asked this question sooner in the flow of questions, but that's okay. Can you explain maybe one more time why it's important to focus on Black people, Indigenous people, and other people of color with the trans advocacy work. Oh, absolutely. I mean, because of obviously systemic racism and white supremacy, we have like huge disparities in the livelihoods of Black and Indigenous people and not just white people, but the rest of all non-Black and non-Indigenous people as well. 
So I like to use a little analogy of flipping the pyramid on its head and putting Black trans women, especially fat, disabled, sex-working Black trans women should be at the front of the line. And if they get their livelihoods respected and supported, then everybody else's lives are going to be, you know, that much better. So in order to create equity, we really do have to put Black and Indigenous people to the front because Indigenous people have been living in the apocalypse for the past 500 years. And for 400 years of slavery and Jim Crow and segregation and systemic oppression as well for Black people, it just makes sense. You just, I mean, it's like, I, if there's another way to liberation, please show me, but that's where I'm at. So something we, we ran into as a potential struggle with gender federation, and you may not have an answer to this and that's okay. Something we ran into as a struggle is on the value side, fat, disabled, Black, trans people, Black and Indigenous trans people are like the very first people we wanted to be doing mutual aid for. And we quickly realized we would likely have struggles finding them. Oh, um, for sure. Absolutely. And so I don't know if you have any suggestions on how to connect with those communities that are obviously having the most critical need. I mean, it gets, I don't know, for me, it gets tricky when if for me as a person trying to run mutual aid activities, if social media and these free ways of connecting are the only ways that I have, right? I'm personally, I'm disabled. I can't go out on the street looking for people physically. So we fund my wheelchair that is in crowdfunding right now, because then I can, <laughs> but right now, not so much. I'm kind of stuck at home. And if folks don't have access to the internet, don't have access to a cell phone or a device that can access the internet, at least for folks that are doing the organizing online, it's, I don't know, it's hard to find them. And maybe it's just because I'm white and the algorithm is not showing me as many people of color, even though I keep following as many accounts as I can and engaging with it as much as possible. For, for I don't know if you have any suggestions for people like me that are wanting to do this work and struggling to find where to make that impact. Love think, to hear any thoughts. Oh, no, I think that it's definitely set up to be difficult to find. Absolutely. I only found that the specific demographic of people that we're thinking about by being very vigilant and like militant online, especially with being with pro-Blackness, because I personally, I could give you like 10 or 15 people that fit that demographic right now, but it does take it. Like I said, it takes a lot of diligence. Unfortunately, you have to, and because a lot of these accounts are really small. And like you said, they're not online all the time because of access to lack of access to resources. Yeah, you can set up an Instagram account, but can you keep your phone on? Do you have access to a place that has Wi-Fi where you can use your phone to be able to go onto your Instagram or your Twitter or any other social media? That is like a real struggle because there are a lot of people in that demographic who aren't online or don't have as much access to online. And then, like you said, the algorithm is just not set up to put these people on the forefront of our explore pages and for you pages. So being really intentional at being really intentional on being like a white abolitionist and like rejecting like whiteness or white passing or white skinned and like really focusing on dark, darker skinned and more indigenous like features in who you're following. And then there's a couple pages I can also send you on Instagram. I know you don't use that as much but that's my platform. And I can 
there's like abolitionist mutual aid and pages like that do focus purely on like mostly black and indigenous mutual aid yeah. people who need mutual aid yeah it takes a while it took me a long time so it just it's a matter of persistence really yeah spencer if you have time and are willing any of the profiles or links to socials that you suggest if you think it would be appropriate to share in the show notes i'd be happy to add them for folks to access later if you're listening to yeah. the show folks and you want to go drop some follows and some support as well it's it is labor asking you to come up with that list so if you're <laughs> like heck that that's fair we also know i love this kind of stuff i love yeah. sharing because i i know a lot of people that are in need that are in desperately need in need of like even a five dollar donation right now it would be too easy for me to send them your way yeah. And folks, if you would like to thank Spencer for their work, one of many <laughs> things you could do is drop a quick, cheeky little PayPal donation to Little Pet Alliance. Here's a link in the chat. And do you have any other ways people can drop you some funds for that extra work? I would just, I would say just drop it into Little Pet Alliance. I'm okay with, you don't need to give me money personally. It'll, some of it will come to me anyway. So that's fine. Let's keep that work because we, we pay for the binder shipping out of our pockets and we do have a, a company that's working with us, but it's, it's not an indefinite thing. So we definitely want to have some, a little extra savings to send out binders every month. Yeah, totally. All right. There's the link in the chat, everybody go drop $5 or more. I dare you. <laughs> All 13 of you. Let's see it happen. All right. So I have a couple questions that I ask all of my guests at the end of the show. So now I'm going to pivot to those. So this is also the last call for anyone in the chat. If you have any AMA questions you didn't get to, this is your chance. Type it in the chat and we'll work it in. But for now, Spencer, is there anything about either Little Petal Alliance or Queertopia that you want to make sure that you say today before we wrap up? Is there anything I didn't ask you about or that you remembered? I would like everybody to at least follow us, share our posts. That's a free thing to do to help. And that really helps out a lot. Getting our binder posts out to different audiences to make sure that we get binders out to people who need them. That's really important. Um, and also sharing how to donate so people with pockets can see it and hopefully open them up a little bit. But other than that, yeah, just follow us on social media and Help us push the word out of our services and our resources so that we're able to get these things out. Because I would love to keep this binder program alive. We had a about three weeks where nobody even signed up. So I'm and I'm really hoping to keep the sign up like up and going. Yeah, it's pretty important. Yeah. Awesome. See, now I'm like, how do I follow this page while I'm actively hosting? Can't do both at the same time, meow. <laughs> okay. Spencer, can you share an experience with gender euphoria? I don't know if it's euphoria, but it was kind of maybe on the line of euphoria. So I was in downtown Austin with my partner and a friend of ours, and we were walking from dinner to the Museum of Weird, which wasn't that exciting. But this guy pops out of the bar and he's free drinks for ladies. And I was like, oh man, because like I, I wear wigs, but I have a bald head and like my dress is either mask or femme, but like, I was like, oh, darn it. I don't get a free drink. And I was like, wait a second. This person thinks I'm a lady. <laughs> so it was like the first time I was like, like, I just, I just didn't realize like what I looked like. It just mm -hmm. was in my head. Like, oh no, ladies get free drinks. That's not me. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess that's kind of gender euphoria. It was like a yeah. definitely, I laugh about it a lot because I'm, and I was like, oh, that you mean me. I was like free drinks for who? And they're like you. And I was like me. Oh yeah. I'm a lady. I love that. 
when you're your head canon about yourself is ah yes i fall in the not lady bucket <laughs> and what would you like to make sure folks know about your perspective on gender and non-binary slash trans slash gender diverse issues i would say decolonize your mindset on all gender whether it be in the lens of transness or cisness just take a look from the indigenous point of views indigenous black point of views as well and kind of expand your mind because I think that it could be really helpful for non-black and non-indigenous people to kind of look at that it can help you clarify because we have a lot of ideas about transness and like queerness in general is really wrapped around like westernized and colonized ideas which can kind of leave people a little bit stuck or lost and at least in my experience and I'm sure that can definitely intersect with anybody of any race so just kind of try to decolonize your mindset as much as you possibly can to try to help you on that journey because if you're stuck and you don't know why it might be because of these eurocentric ideas on gender and the gender binary and gendered roles and things like that and how you should look and how you should talk and you know what it looks like and also kill the fat phobia in your mind because there's also a very heavily like thin bodied norm kind of to like what trans looks like in whatever area that you're landing in and kind of look to like outside of the norm and see if that helps you land in a comfortable spot. I have one more question from the chat which I'm smiling because it's a very white question. Do you have any recommendations for materials for decolonizing your mindset? So maybe books or podcasts or those sorts of things. Erica Hart is a really good resource. Erica Erica Hart is on Instagram. I think she's also on Twitter. Her partner, her and her partner, Ebony, are both trans. And then on our Instagram, there's actually a TikTok reel that we posted that has literature written by Black, gay, and trans men. And then just Coyote Park on Instagram as well. Really just has a lot of resources and reading material. And then anything by Bell Hooks, Audrey Lord, that's going to help with like a more of a queer blanketed, but still a different, very different and very decolonized view of like gender and gendered roles and stuff. Bell Hooks is really good, but it's hard. I usually have a list. If you follow me on Instagram, I, I'm not trying to plug my Instagram because my Instagram is private, but <laughs> if I get a couple extra followers today, I'll understand why, but I post a lot of like resources and stuff and like also on Little Petal Alliance, it kind of like intersects, but following Little Petal Alliance will lead you to a lot of decolonization because that's kind of what my, my shtick is. So yeah, just, just, I cover a vast view of topics, but as far as reading, yeah, bell hooks. And then that we have a post on our Instagram that has, I think, eight books on it. Wonderful. Yeah. A de decolonization is a lifestyle. It really is. It really is. <laughs> it never ends because no. there's so much, so not only macroaggressions, but microaggressions in daily life that mm -hmm. it takes so long to unlearn. I, I had to get through enough of my gender journey before I could start even thinking about decolonizing my own internalized ableism about my disability. Gotcha. It's like whack-a-mole. Like I didn't have mm -hmm. the, the brain space to do it all at the same time. And you and I even talked about the show about how I was like, man, I didn't have this land acknowledgement for the whole show. I should have had it from episode one and it took this long to get it. And that's just one example of how an ongoing 
look at oneself and one's communities, decolonization is just, it's a lifestyle. It's, it never ends. No, it's just every day, forever. Yeah. 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 Because it doesn't benefit capitalism and the patriarchy for us to do this work. So it's not the like standard flavor and culture. You have to go find it. Yeah. Ugh, it's I love deep this. in a back alley somewhere. It's like that <laughs> hole in the wall restaurant that you like, you don't really trust, but once you go in, you figure out the food is so delicious that that's the only place you go to from now on. Yeah, that's right. And of course it's in a back alley because that's exactly. what the immigrant family could afford with the money that they scrounged and saved for 10 years before they immigrated. Exactly. Right? Uh-huh. So yeah, intersectional stuff. Spencer, this has been a complete and total delight. Is there anything else you want to make sure you say before we all wander off today? I don't really know. Not so much. I think I've said everything. I think I pushed my agenda pretty far today. (laughs) The Black trans agenda. We're here for it. Exactly. We're super here for it. Thank you so much for being my guest today. We're going to wrap the show. So everyone, our guest is going to be Jesse Gender, who uses she, they pronouns. And we're discussing science fiction and gender. Jesse Gender is a big YouTuber. And we ran into each other at Trans Pride. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're Jesse Gender. I'm crying now. And she was like, do you want a hug? And I was like, yes, please. And then I was really brave and asked for her email address. And now she's going to be on the show. So that's coming up in two weeks. <laughs> in the meantime, please do check out the link tree for Little Petal Alliance. There's also an Instagram and a Facebook page. You can find those links in the description below. You've all heard about how you can do recurring subscriptions to Little Petal Alliance. Please do make those choices. Even if it's just a couple bucks a month, you're going to help some binders and other euphoric genderful resources get to folks. And I hear a rumor that there might be some stickers for for contributions right now. So check that out, especially if you like stickers. So I also just wanted to quickly mention a special event coming soon before we do our sign off today. We are going to be doing Trans Day of Remembrance. It's going to be a live event here on Twitch on November 20th, 2022. It starts at 11 a.m. Pacific, and we're going to have readers from various genderful episodes and throughout the community honoring our beloved dead who were uh, murdered because of transmissia this year. So if you all would like to join us, it's going to be a somber event, um, but at the end, we are actually going to have an opportunity to vil- to view Atlas Phoenix's film, Ordinary, which is an 11 minute film talking about the unsuppressible spirit of trans folks. It's sort of a biography, a little bit biographical. It's in black and white, it's a wonderful film. So that's coming up on November 20th. For now, Jennifer would like to thank our guests for being on this podcast. Please feel free to join us live on Twitch on Mondays. Check out the replays on YouTube on Fridays and keep your eye on your favorite podcasting platforms for edited audio only versions. As Nefer Kitty likes to say, trans rights are human rights. That's right.